Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Hi there, today we're talking about protein powders and you may know that whey is well documented as an excellent protein source for running, but what about casein? Should you be taking whey protein or is it casein-based protein more beneficial? Well, in this episode, we aim to demystify the data and the media talk so that you as a runner can feel informed and clear on which is best for you and your running goals. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs. I'm Aileen Smith and I co-host our show with my very good friend and business partner, Karen Campbell. We're both professional nutritionists and our spare time, we're runners. Our show is dedicated to you, a female midlife runner. The menopause transition is a challenging time for many women and no one wants this phase of life to affect their well-being or indeed their running. As midlife women, Karen and I know what you might be experiencing and we also know how transformational good nutrition is at this stage of life. Our approach is to swap magic bullet advice for evidence-based nutritional science. We focus on real food and strategic food choices so you can enjoy your running and be your best. We hope that our episode topics are helpful to you. However, if you'd like professional help from us, please book a complimentary work with us call at runnershealthhub.com. The suggestions we make during this episode are for guidance and advice only and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. Hello, I'm Aileen and I'm here with Karen as always. And today our topic for discussion is all about protein, uh, protein for runners. And as you'll have heard us talking about that subject many times before, but we're going to have a, a particular look at protein this time. And we're focusing on the differences between whey and casein. Um, so, and how that affects your running performance and is one better than the other or do both have a place in the meal plan of a runner? But before we get on to answer these questions and discuss um, whey and casein in more detail, I'd just like to welcome back our regular listeners. And if you are listening for the first time, a warm welcome to you. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and you take an opportunity to check out some of the episodes that we've uh, created in the past and you join us for some future episodes too and um, Karen and I do love podcasting but we really love it when we hear from you uh, so we'd love you to drop us a line at hello at runnershealthhub.com uh, take a moment to introduce yourself and share a little bit about your running and your nutrition goals because it really helps us plan future topics for the podcast. So hi, Karen. And um, just before you um, say hello to everybody, I just wondered if you would outline what we're going to be discussing today in a little bit more detail and, and why we've chosen to talk about this subject. 
Yes, absolutely. So hi, Aileen, and hi to everybody who is listening. So Aileen, you already mentioned that we will be speaking about protein today, but the emphasis will really be on whey versus protein. So what we'll do is we'll begin with um, giving an overview of both of these proteins and outline a little bit um, about the current research and what it's saying about their use in sports performance. We'll then translate what the research is saying into some nutritional approaches that a runner could consider. And then we'll go on and give some practical ideas of how to put that nutritional advice into practice. Now, thinking about why we're discussing this subject today, well, I think really the principal reason is because many runners, I feel certainly, get confused by all the information out there in the media about way and casein. And a lot of um, people tend to ask the question, what's the difference between them? You know, not many people actually know, which should I take? When should I take them? Do I actually need them? And can I get them from my diet? Or do I need to supplement? I think these are really common questions. And people, because people are confused around the information out there. Now, I'm sure that probably lots of our listeners can relate to these questions. And if you can, then this episode, I would say, is definitely for you, because really our aim is to demystify the data and the confusion so that you as a runner feel clear about which to take and when and which foods to choose to achieve optimal intake of them if it is essential for you to do so. So that, those are the reasons, really, Aileen. Well, it sounds great reasons and uh, lots of interesting questions to get answered there, Karen. So I'm sure that's going to be uh, that we're going to have a really interesting conversation today, because even if you know a little bit about protein and different types of protein, it's always good to have a refresher. Mm-hmm. Um Now, one of the things to mention is if you are somebody who's following a vegan diet, so a plant-based diet, um, you wouldn't be consuming whey or casein. Um, But hopefully you'll still find the episode interesting because we're going to be talking about lots of different aspects of protein intake and the amino acids that they contain. Um, So, All of the information hopefully will be relevant to you as a a vegan runner, um, but the protein sources would have to be different. And uh, we think about different ratios of essential amino acids and branch chain amino acids um, will be discussed too. Um, But if you are a a vegan runner, um, we have got an episode dedicated uh, to you, which is episode 91. Uh, So you might want to check that one out and uh, get a little bit more detailed and targeted information. So, Karen, uh, let's start uh, by defining whey and casein for everyone. Uh, Would you do that for us? Yeah, of course, Aileen. So whey and casein, uh, basically, are the two types of protein found in milk, hence why it's not appropriate for a uh, a vegan. And within the milk, casein makes up 80% of the protein and whey makes up the other 20%. Now, they are both high quality, complete proteins that are derived from the cheese making process. And some people might be aware of that. However, there are some subtle differences in their amino acid 
profile and the rate of di- digestion. And just remembering that the, the amino acids are the building blocks of protein. So thinking about casein, it's slowly released from the stomach into the small intestine, and it induces a prolonged release of the dietary amino acids because of the slow release from the stomach into the small intestine. Now, whey protein is classed as a soluble protein, but it's rapidly digested. So it promotes a much faster but transient um, appearance in in blood and blood plasma. Um, uh, And uh, therefore, the the dietary amino acids are, are in the system much quicker compared to casein. Now, the amino acid content of whey protein has a higher overall content of the branch chain amino acids than casein does. Um, and just as a, as a reminder that the branch chain amino acids consist of leucine, isoleucine and valine. Now, we've spoken about them uh, often, so you're probably aware of the different branch chain amino acids. Now, leucine appears to be the one that's most prevalent um, in whey protein. And just as a reminder that leucine is that branch chain amino acid that triggers the muscle protein synthesis cascade. So those are the, the subtle differences between the two. That's great, Karen. So we've, we've learned quite a bit there about these two different proteins, which are derived from dairy. And you already mentioned there that leucine is the master branch chain amino acid in triggering the muscle protein synthesis pathway. Um, but it would be really good to um, go on and think about what other attributes whey and casein have that are linked to sports performance, because I think that would be interesting to everybody. Mm. Yes. And and both of them, both the whey and the casein, have been used as sports nutrition ergogenic aids in the supplement form. You know, the the, um, the research tends to use the supplement form and that powder form. And it's been used as an ergogenic. Well, both of them have been used as ergogenic aids for the muscle protein synthesis, as we've already mentioned, which I think is really where most of the research has focused, uh, uh, certainly to date. But also um, it's important for muscle mass gain and also post-exercise recovery. So quite a few ergogenic, uh, well, it's used as an ergogenic aid for different aspects of performance. Right. And the, the protein, especially those branch chain amino acids, um, which trigger the muscle protein synthesis, we've got to remember that um, alongside protein, exercise is the principal factor that stimulates that intramuscular signaling so that the, the muscle, the skeletal muscle is, is building. Um, so it's important to remember that protein and amino acid intake is important, um, but it's going to be most effective following um, exercise to support that muscle protein synthesis. So the two things go together, really. And I think it's important to mention that, Karen, isn't it? Because a lot of people forget that, that, you know, the two things are really important to work together. Well, exactly. And, and it would appear that that really the exercise is the master trigger 
And then the protein, especially that leucine, then supports that and enhances that as well. So it is really um, key to, to, to do the two together. And, and just to add to that, you know, although we know muscle protein synthesis can continue for up to 24 to 48 hours following exercise, the most important window of opportunity for muscle mass gain is two hours post-exercise. So I think that is definitely worth mentioning and remembering. Yeah, and I think a lot of people will know that, but maybe don't act on it, probably. Yes. Um, so, so moving on from there, Karen, um, would you say that um, whey and casein should be taken together to promote this muscle protein synthesis or do they play different roles because of that differing digestive capacity that you mentioned at the beginning of the conversation? Um, so should we be taking them separately to get optimal benefit from each or, or together? What would you say? Yeah, I think that's a really good question, Aileen. And I have to say that um, at the moment, certainly controversies and research still exist regarding the ideal ratio of each when they are used in combination. Now, currently, the emphasis is still on really having a sufficient overall protein intake and regular exercise training, as we've been speaking about, and that being the cornerstone approach of any skeletal muscle hypertrophy diet. But there has been a significant amount of research into the separate use of casein and, and whey to optimise different aspects of sports performance. So, for example, if we think about whey protein first, that post-exercise leucine-enriched essential amino acids are suggested to be um, really important for muscle recovery. So because whey protein contains high levels of leucine, or higher levels of leucine, certainly, than casein. This is the one that's generally recommended that um, you have immediately post-exercise because of that leucine um, content. Now, casein, it's it's been known for its pre-sleep um, ingestion um, because that is thought to really facilitate the skeletal muscle adaptive responses to exercise. Now, this apparently is because casein or having casein before you sleep has been shown in research to support an increase in the rate of muscle protein synthesis during overnight sleep. And having that casein prior to sleep has been shown to really increase the plasma amino acid levels throughout the entire night. So it's not just for a period of, of time during the night, it seems to maintain an increased level throughout the night. But as always, you know, there is always uh, another side to the story. There was one study that I did read, and it was just one study right enough that noted that the overnight muscle protein synthesis response to whey and casein protein didn't differ. And what they were suggesting was that protein intake prior to sleep, um, and they were just looking at protein overall rather than a specific type of protein, what they were suggesting is that that is what's most appropriate and would support um, effect. And because both are effectively digested and absorbed, they st both stimulate overnight muscle protein synthesis, or, or not necessarily. I, what they were suggesting was that not even 
um, casein versus whey, just having that protein intake before sleep would stimulate that overnight muscle protein synthesis and also allows the um, overnight whole body protein net balance to become positive and increases the muscle mass and strength. Um, But they were looking at resistance style exercise training um, in this particular piece of research. But just interesting on, you know, another point of view, really. Yeah, it's really interesting. Did they, I just start up interested, they talk about when, you know, what is the period of time before sleep? Is it like a pre-bedtime snack or is it just a protein-rich evening meal that would, would help? No, it, they're speaking more about having it pre-sleep, um, roughly. Uh, well, it varied uh, depending on which piece of research you were reading, but it seemed to be 45 minutes to an hour before sleep. All oh, right, interesting. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's really interesting to know. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. So, having the protein um, sort of as a post exercise snack, but then maybe again as a pre sleep snack yes. uh, could could help. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what you're really saying, Karen, is that you know potentially having a protein rich food which contains either casein or whey or both might be a strategy to improve overnight recovery and facilitate the skeletal muscle adaptive response um, to exercise training. So um, we always think about these things as being protein powders, but it's a really good reminder to to remind ourselves that protein is food and it doesn't have to necessarily be a, a protein powder, does it? Exactly, exactly. But if we were looking at casein and whey specifically, then it would have to be a milk based protein. But that is still a big question, you you know, because you can get the branch chain amino acids from other protein sources. So this is where we are speaking specifically about casein and whey here because of all the questions and confusion around them. But you will get, and we'll probably speak about that later, you're going to get the branch chain amino acids from other protein sources. And, And I have to say that although you know, what we're saying here is that um, it's just about having a protein rich food, doesn't matter whether it's casein or whey or both uh, before sleep. Most studies do recommend casein as the principal pre-sleep protein source. And this is because of its slower digestion and prolonged release of the amino acids, which really, I suppose, is ideal for that during that overnight fasting period. Yeah, well, that definitely makes sense. And if you think back to, you know, the days where you would have got a milky drink before you went to bed, uh, maybe there was some sense in that that we just didn't realise at the time. Um, So, yeah. Uh, Okay, Karen, so I've got another question for you. We've been speaking about whey and casein. And from from what you've said, the branch chain and branch chain amino acids are the most important from for that positive muscle adaptations. Mm -hmm. But if you were looking at it, you know, from a sports performance and an ergogenic aid point of view, do you think it would be more beneficial to isolate the branch chain amino acids and just take those? Yeah, I think that's a really good question, Aileen, um, because it is about, you know, we're speaking about whey and casein and both of them c- contain the branch chain amino acids. So why not just 
sort of extract the branched chain amino acids because they're the ones that trigger the muscle protein synthesis. But I was actually reading a paper recently on that actual subject. And what this research concluded was that consuming the branched chain amino acids on their own without the other essential amino acids that are provided really limits um, that substrate for protein synthesis in exercised muscles. And when that happens, it means that the overall response of muscle protein synthesis isn't maximised or optimal. So I thought that was interesting. Helps yeah. That question. yeah, it does. So it's the combined intake of nutrients rather than the isolated nutrients that are most beneficial to health because, as we know, nutrients tend to work in synergy with each other. Yeah, exactly that, Aileen. And, you know, and I think that really aligns with our motto of real food first. And also in um, this information, I think, suggests that essential amino acid availability would be the rate limiting factor for stimulating that maximal muscle protein uh, synthesis response with only the branch chain amino acid ingestion. So I think that's quite interesting in itself. It is indeed. So moving on to think about um, us as women, um, are there any female factors that we need to consider regarding whey and casein and protein in general for a female runner? Well, Actually, I didn't find any data discussing whey and casein specifically when thinking of the, the female athlete or the female runner. However, earlier this year, uh, so in 2023, the ISSN, so the International Society of Sports Nutrition, they released a position stand on the nutrition uh, concerns of female athletes. And I have to say that had some excellent guidelines on protein intake and looking at protein intake around the menstrual cycle, as well as peri and menopausal phases of life. Now, clearly, I can't really go into all the detail here, but I will include a link to the paper in the show notes. But just really to highlight some of what they said, what they suggested is um like we've said, there is currently minimal research exploring the hormonal effects on the protein needs of female athletes. But thinking about our athletes who are mostly midlife women, what they did suggest was that um, peri and postmenopausal women, really regardless of what sport they, they are, are involved in, should aim for the upper end of the range of current recommended guidelines. And just as a reminder, the, the current guidelines are to have between 1.8 to 2.2 grams per kilogram of body weight of protein per day. So just making sure that you're towards the top end of that. Now, they suggest um, meals being moderate in protein. So around 0.3 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight, but eaten every three hours to maximize that muscle protein repair and also muscle remodeling during um, a prolonged recovery period. So that's recovery periods that are 24 hours or more. 
And and what the other thing, just one other thing that I'll mention is that um that they they recommended eating protein rich foods close to the end of exercise or as close to the end of exercise as possible to really help support that muscle building, which is what we've been speaking about, having the protein immediately afterwards. And what they suggest is to have six to ten grams of protein per gra- per, per kilogram of body weight at that time after after exercise. So um so some interesting information I thought specifically yeah. for a female athlete. Yeah, so so they're you know they're saying, you know, they're giving guidelines on the total amount of protein per day. They're suggesting mm-hmm. that you spread it out um across the day, which is something that we've mentioned yes. before. Um, but really upping the amount of protein, particularly after resistant exercise, um, to about six to ten grams of protein so yeah some good guidelines there um so thanks karen thanks for sharing that and and just to summarize uh what we've established so far in our conversation is that whey protein appears to be the most beneficial post-exercise protein and casein most beneficial pre-sleep and it might be that you decide that you're going to add both of them into your uh, food plan depending on what your goals are um, you could use them in combination um, too that's another option and just as a reminder that you know as midlife women uh, we have a higher requirement for protein consumption um, so that's why it's the higher end and it is it can be quite tricky to achieve that um, so um, it's certainly something to focus on and practice to see how you how you do um, but Karen just before we we go on to the next question I just thought this might be a good time to introduce everyone to our free downloadable ebooks um, so we've got a lot of different um, ebooks available to you then you can access them all at our website which is runnershealthhub.com just click on free nutrition guides and on the top menu bar and uh, all you need to do is pop in your email and we can send over whichever or all of them, uh, whichever ebook you would like. So the most popular one tends to be Top Running Snacks and Nutrient Timing. Uh, but we've recently uh, published a new ebook called Foundational Food Habits. Um, we're targeting that at beginner runners, but actually there's some really great advice in there and it would be helpful for everybody. And uh, it's there to share our beginner nutrition secrets which will help you feel energetic strong and injury free and we've also got 10 easy to make recipes in there so we really hope that you'll all enjoy uh, the ebooks and uh, you know share them with your uh, friends and, and running buddies okay so we've um, we've talked about the science behind casein and whey and we know it comes from milk and it's, it's extracted from the cheese making process uh, but now let's think about some nutritional strategies um, so that um, you as runners can put those strategies in place um, so we, we've talked a little bit about how much protein a, a runner would require um, uh, Karen, I just wondered if there was any more data regarding uh, the daily quantity of protein intake that we should be focusing on. Yeah, I think there were a couple of things that are probably worth highlighting um, from that updated or another actually um, updated position stand from the ISSN. And that was um, in that was in 2018. And that was looking at research and recommendations. Now, the recent data suggests that 
older muscles might be slower to respond and less sensitive to protein intake. Therefore, an older runner would typically require around 40 grams of protein per serving to really think about robustly stimulating that muscle protein synthesis, as opposed to that 20 gram serving that is generally recommended for younger athletes. And we've spoken about um, in the past as well. So increasing that, doubling it actually to 40 grams per serving. Now for building and maintaining muscle mass, an overall daily protein intake of around 1.4 to 2 grams per kilogram of body weight per day is sufficient for most exercising individuals. Really what the, the data says is that anything higher is generally reserved for athletes focusing specifically on the strength and resistance training, not the aerobic and endurance exercise. And I think just the final thing I would want to add here is that um, it is recommended that a single serving of protein should contain between 700 milligrams up to 3,000 milligrams of leucine um, for triggering that muscle protein synthesis, as well as a balanced array of of the other um, essential amino acids, of which there are another eight of them. So um, but thinking about leucine specifically between that 700 up to um, 3000 milligrams. Gosh, lots of information there, isn't there? And you can see why people get confused because it's like, you know, there's so many different ways that you could work out how much protein you need and what that should uh, be made up of. Um, but hopefully, you know, it's just given everybody some um an overview of, of what the thinking is behind some of these guidelines. Um, but particularly thinking about leucine, you know, because we might that's maybe one of the ones that as an amino acid we need to be focusing on. Um, mm. It might be helpful just to outline some of the um, protein-rich foods which contain leucine, you know, particularly because it's this master trigger of the muscle protein synthesis. Um, but one of the things I thought would be um, helpful to share is how the body uses protein because um, it's not all just going into building muscle. And uh, if we were to look at your example there, Karen, of 20 grams of protein, which would be eaten as part of a meal or a supplement, um, it might be interesting for people to know that 50% of the available amino acids from the protein will be used for the gut energy production and for local protein synthesis. And the other 50% will be taken up by the liver. And from this, 11% of the amino acids are used for protein synthesis. And the remaining amino acids are broken down and used for energy production and other metabolic processes. Mm. So it's just a, a reminder, really, that protein is used in the body for lots of different functions. And, you know, that's why we do really need to optimize it and make sure we're taking the right amount for our particular needs and our age range as well. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, from the statistics that you've just given, Aileen, you can really see that overall, very little is actually used for protein or muscle protein synthesis. So, that's why it is important, like you're saying, to maintain, try and maintain that upper level of um, protein intake and doing it um, consistently and daily uh, to, to just ensure that, like you say, you're getting sufficient for your individual needs. So, so 
you know, you mentioned about um, having a look at some protein rich foods. So I thought maybe we could do that now and you know, foods that you may, could maybe think about introducing to ensure that you are consuming the sufficient amount of protein for you. And these are proteins really that are containing uh, good quantities of the leucine for muscle protein synthesis. So thinking about that leucine content um, and, and and looking at it really from a, a, a trying to make it easy, 100 grams of a protein food and then how many milligrams of leucine is contained within that food. And just bearing in mind, as I said earlier, that the daily intake of leucine is, is thought to be between 700 milligrams and 3,000 milligrams um, per day. So if you look at um, 100 grams of chicken breast, that contains 1,955 1, milligrams of leucine. So it's really good. Fish, um, so I was looking here at cod as an example. So a white fish, that contains 1,487 milligrams. Egg white contains uh, 1,016 milligrams. Beef contains 1,894 milligrams. And then semi-skimmed milk contains... Um, 379 milligrams, which sounds, I think, quite low. But when you consider that you tend to have more than 100, 100 um, grams of milk, you, you, you know, if you were having a glass of milk or you were having a smoothie, it would be 250, uh, potentially 300 um, milliliters or, or um, milligrams that you would be having of the milk. Um, now, when you look at milk as a source of leucine, 8% is found in casein and 11% of leucine is found in whey. So that whey having that higher, higher amount. Right. So you can, um, I'm just thinking about bodybuilders, Karen, and, and I know that they tend to focus on chicken and egg whites and you can see yeah. why they probably do. Um, mm. So hopefully, you know, just sharing some of that information has given everyone an idea of the leucine content of some foods mm. and um, that'll, um, you know, help you when you're making the right food choices. Um, and it might also be helpful uh, for everyone to have an idea about what the recommended daily allowance is leucine um, so that you can ensure that you're you're having an optimal amount so the the average intake is quoted as being 2730 milligrams per day um, but if you wanted to be more accurate the american society of nutrition state that the current recommendations are 42 milligrams per kilogram of body weight per day so if you wanted to make that translate that into an example say 70 kilo female would be requiring 2,940 milligrams of leucine per day. So, you know, from what you were saying there, Karen, a chicken breast and, you know, a portion of fish or some egg white would get you to that level of leucine. Exactly. So, so yeah, really, when you think about that, it, it should be quite easy to attain. It's certainly, if you are a meat eater, be quite. Uh, it should be quite easy to attain those recommended daily intakes. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah it's tricky, a bit trickier if you're vegetarian or plant based. Um, it is. It is. It's about taking on. Um, maybe that's an episode um, for the future. Is looking at the branch chain amino acid content of non meat. Um, plant-based foods for vegetarians and vegans. 
Yeah, I think that would definitely be interesting. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully that's given everybody a bit more detail on why it's important really to eat a range of protein foods, really to try and maximise your consumption of leucine, as well as the other branch chain amino acids and the other essential amino acids. So on that note, I think it might be quite a good time to take a short advert break. So Aileen, I'm going to hand back to you again. Okay, so this is the minute uh, in the um, the episode, the moment in the episode where we take tell you a little bit about what we do outside of the podcast. And we always hope that we're sharing useful information and practical suggestions uh, during the episodes to help you achieve your health and running goals. But we do know that some of you uh, would like to have some personalised input uh, from us to help you. And, um, you know, we're, we're always here uh, ready to work with you if, if you're ready. So we thought we'd tell you a story about one of our clients um, who's called Paula and she's been running for a number of years and she never really considered nutrition for performance. She used to just go out for a run and then eat whatever she wanted and that worked for her for quite a while. Uh, but then she found her performance was suffering and she was getting injured quite frequently. And she'd been listening to us on the podcast for a while and she was finding the information helpful but she was still struggling with her performance. So eventually uh, she got in touch with us and um, she arranged an inquiry call and so that we could discuss uh, her situation in a bit more detail. And uh, we were able to make some suggestions about which of our services would really support her and her needs. So following that call, Paula embarked on our one-to-one nutrition for injury recovery plan. And it's really made a big change to her and she hasn't looked back since. Um, And what she did was she was able to introduce small incremental changes to a meal plan and also how she um, used nutrition around her training. And over time, that resulted in a full recovery and it led her to go on to achieve a personal best in, in a future race, uh, which was, you know, fantastic for, for Paula. And it was really rewarding for us to see her uh, make that improvement. And um, she often keeps in touch and gives us updates on how she's doing. And we really love that because we, we do build up lovely relationships with clients and we don't want to lose touch. Uh, we like to, to know what's going on and that they're you know, continuing to uh, thrive with their, their running. So we're just telling you that story because if you feel that you're ready to work with us and you don't know which service to choose, uh, we'd love to have a short and informal complimentary call with you to find out how we can help you a little bit more with your health and running goals. And um, there's no pressure to buy if you book the call, but if you would like to book some professional help, we're here for you. And you'll uh, you'll find the booking link on our website, runnershealthhub.com, at the Work With Us page, um, or you can drop us an email if that's an easier thing for you to do, and we'll get back to you. And do remember, if you're living in a different time zone to Karen and I, just let us know and we can accommodate you for both a call and for any of the programs or services because we're happy to work with people around the world. Great. Thanks very much, Aileen. Okay, so now let's get back to chatting about whey and casein. And I think it might be helpful to consider some ideas of how to put all this nutritional advice into practice. So really, it's doable for you. Now, 
we've stated that real food first is what we advocate. And um, we've also given you some food ideas that contain all the essential amino acids, but with a specific focus on leucine. And that might be all that you need. But when we start to look at casein and whey specifically, for some people, it might be that purchasing a casein or whey supplement powder may be more practical than eating large amounts of dairy-based foods. So I thought we could maybe look at what you might want to consider when choosing a supplement powder. So what I would say is whether you choose whey or casein, it would really be important to choose the best quality powder that you can afford. And this is really to optimize the absorption and the bioavailability of the amino acids, especially the essential amino acids that are contained within that protein powder. And, and, um, and if it's a casein or a whey specific one, all those essential amino acids within. But also, I would say, just think about your reasons for taking one. What results are you looking for from taking whey or casein? Is it optimal protein intake generally? So is casein or whey appropriate or could something else work? Efficient recovery from training or is it enhanced performance? And also think about taste. You know, I do think it's always good to, to trial different brands until you find your preferred one because we all have different tastes. And remember, they come in lots of different flavors. But you can also choose a natural one, and that's what we would advocate. And then you can flavor it yourself with fresh fruits and spices and other other healthy um, foods. What you can also do is trial individual sample sachets before um, purchasing a large pack. You don't want to purchase a 250 or a 500 gram pack and find that you don't actually like the, the, the product. So, um, And the other thing I would also say is introduce small quantities at a time and just build up. And this really is to let your digestive system get used to the product before taking a full a full portion so just building up slowly so those are a few hints and tips about buying um a, a casein or a whey powder Aileen what would you add here anything at all yeah well you mentioned that the quality of the product is really important and I, and I think I would I'll definitely agree with that uh, but one of the things that is really as you said important to do is always read the label before purchasing so um, just check that the ingredients are natural and um, the things that you want to avoid are bulking agents chalks and sweeteners including artificial sweeteners so definitely avoid them and and also this is a bit of a, a bugbear for me don't get taken in by the marketing and the sales spin um, often these uh, protein powders especially in pharmacies and ha some not so reputable health food shops shall i say don't take it they you know they have these sexy pictures of how wonderful you're going to look and um it, often when you read the label, it doesn't add up. And I, I quite often get clients coming to me saying that, oh, they take this protein powder. And, and I usually say, oh, send me a photograph of it and the label. And when I read it, you know, my heart sinks. Um, so I think that goes back to what you were saying, Karen, about reading the label and being prepared to spend a reasonable amount 
on quality and value rather than going cheap. And and sometimes the the, the sexy labels are actually very expensive and they don't deserve the the price tag. Um, so um, that's that's my yeah, hobby horse really. So the the companies that that we like and that we recommend are Motion Nutrition, Pulsin, uh, the Organic Protein Company, uh, Purition, and and we also like Sun Warrior. Uh, too. So, um, you know, you'll find that these companies use natural ingredients and you'll be able to find lots of good nutritional information on their labels. Um, so uh, rounding up from that, Karen, uh, we've spoken about how to choose a casein or whey supplement or indeed just a general protein uh, powder supplement. But how do people decide uh, whether they purchase whey or casein? What What's the decision-making process there? Yeah, it is a good question, isn't it? And as we said earlier, you know, the whey protein is the faster acting and has a higher content of um, the branched-chain amino acids generally, besides casein, especially the leucine. So really, that would be most suitable for having immediately after training to support the muscle protein synthesis. Now, casein, on the other hand, is slowly released into the system, therefore maintains that steady release of amino acids, so would be more suitable for ongoing muscle recovery and muscle adaptation over a period of hours. And that is why it is suggested that it could be taken at night. So that might help. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I suppose a combination of the two would work, but maybe taken at different times. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if, I think if I had a priority, I would be saying the one straight after, you know, strength-based training, the, the way one would be a starting point. And then, um, you know, maybe thinking about casein as a second option, but that's just me thinking about me personally. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I have to say, Aileen, I would agree with that. You know, it's it's all about um, cost as well if you're having both. Um, so, again, if you can afford both, then, yes, that might be um, uh, the optimal way to go. But if you can only have one, then, like you, my recommendation would be to choose the way due to its superior branched-chain amino acid content um, and the fact that there is – also, that evidence that I spoke about earlier that that the muscle um, that nighttime muscle adaptation m- might occur whether it's whey or casein that you're consuming. So, uh, if there's um, some fact and truth in that, and they go on to do more research, does need more research, then potentially whey um, would be would be the, the first choice, and then you could move on to to having both at another time. Okay, I think that makes sense, Karen. So hopefully we've helped. Um, Just another uh, final comment would be that if you do decide to purchase casein, then the micellar um, casein is currently the uh, preferred type of protein to take prior to sleep. And uh, that's because it's slowly digested um, and um, it, it results in a more moderate but sustained release of protein-derived uh, amino acids throughout the night. Um, so it's probably something, as you were saying earlier, to take as a bedtime snack, Karen, and you would know that uh, that would 
be helping you sort of overnight. Um, when choosing, you know, if you were out there looking at casein and trying to work out, okay, so which casein powder do I choose? Then if there's a micellar one there, and um, uh, uh, then that would be the first choice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So another read the label. Uh, yes. <laughs> You're going to have to take a checklist with you when you decide, <laughs> or, or easier still, do it on the do it on an online, and you've got plenty of time to read everything, which uh, is uh, is really important. So um, when you are choosing uh, a casein or waste supplement, just always look for the most natural product. Always read the label. And remember that they both have a place in supporting muscle building and muscle recovery and muscle adaptation. Um, so you know choose choose what you think is going to be best that, that we're sort of recommending way as the, the number one choice uh, for our um, needs. Um, so I think that brings us to the end, Karen, of today's conversation. Hopefully it's been really helpful for everybody. Uh, but just before we, we go, would you remind us of the key takeaways for today's yes. episode? Yeah, sure, Aileen. So firstly, um, I suppose I would just remind everybody that whey and casein are the two types of protein that are found in milk, with casein making up 80% of the protein and whey making up the other 20%. Now, casein is the slowly released um, protein and induces that prolonged release of amino acids, whereas whey is a soluble and rapidly digested protein, so it is more fast acting. Now, it is thought that whey is best consumed immediately after exercise to promote that muscle protein synthesis, whereas casein is best taken before sleep to support that overnight muscle recovery and muscle adaptation. Now, if a casein or whey supplement powder is what is most practical for you, then we would recommend that you choose the best quality powder that you can afford, really to optimise the absorption and the bioavailability of the amino acids contained within it. As Aileen was saying, always read the label before purchasing, and that's just to really ensure that the ingredients are, are natural and don't contain these chocks and bulking agents and sweeteners. And then finally, what I would say is just remember that although casein and whey have been well researched for their positive effects on athletic performance, the current cornerstone approach of any skeletal muscle hypertrophy, so that building of, of muscle um, the, the, the current approach to the diet is to have just sufficient overall protein intake alongside regular exercise training. So just always bear that in mind. And that's it, Aileen. Oh, thank you, Karen. That's been a really interesting topic and hopefully it's helped answer all the questions that uh, everyone's had around casein and whey and which one to choose and if indeed they require uh either of them or both of them um, hopefully it's helped and remember everyone don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance thanks for joining us today on she runs these performs we hope you've enjoyed this episode and will join us again soon before you go please listen to the end to hear more about amazing jane activewear and why their leggings were voted best for runners by women's fitness once again thanks for listening and have a great week We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. 
They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialling wearing their range for a few months and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at AmazingJane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases.